Ooh. What's up, Internet? My name's David Webb. I'm Marielle Edwards. It is Monday, August 17th, 2020. It is. We get nerdy nightly. And we thought we'd share it with you. Every time you do that intro, I'm like, what is he doing now? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it still makes you laugh. Yeah. I'll probably stop doing it at the point where you don't laugh at it anymore. You just don't react. Just stone cold. Welcome back to another week of nerd things that we <laughs> talk about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We are very excited to be back because, you know nerd stuff (laughs) wow riveting it is it it is funny doing the podcast at the end of each week because Mm -hmm. well and this week we're doing at the start of the week because we are changing when the podcast comes out by a few hours yeah see if we can promote it better but we um we talk so much all week publicly (laughs) because we twitch stream yep you know i i I had multiple five hour plus streams this week and so it's interesting to like be like, oh yeah, okay, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk about I, nerdy things. When we've been talking about them all week. Truly. But like, I don't know. It definitely, it, it feels like a different setting. Cause like I also streamed way more this week than I normally do. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> but like, this feels different. Yeah, oh yeah, cause it's more focused sometimes. Sure. Uh, yeah, we're like a little, like, the, the, the ADHD science shines through a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. A little bit. Like, full disclosure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're both a little high-functioning. High-functioning? I mean... Is that what you call someone who's ADD or ADHD? Um, uh, ADHD and, AD, and ADD, the only difference between the two is the hyperactive, mm-hmm. the H. Um, and I'd honestly... Uh, there's so much stuff written on oh wow that this is a whole other podcast but like like we're also not experts on this well (laughs) i just want i like we should be careful about how no no we're not experts on it but like as someone who like is diagnosed with adhd like it's it's so actually nebulous Mm -hmm. it's basically a doctor you know kind of assesses your behavior and is like yeah i i would say that you you are ADD or ADHD, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not to get too personal on this podcast, which we always do, but yeah, I I've been diagnosed as many things because I think that people are like, you're off. <laughs> maybe you're... it's this, maybe it's this, and I'm at the point now where I'm like, it's probably something, but I'm not really gonna put a name to it because like yeah, every therapist I talk to has given me a different like thing that's wrong with me. Exactly, and it's like fuck that, you know, you are you, and you know. As long as you happy and healthy, mm-hmm. which I will make sure of. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, it's it's been an interesting week within like nerd news because there hasn't been a lot of news this week, but the the sort of sad decline of DC Universe this mm-hmm. week has been really stri- uh, striking to me. Uh, I know you never had DC Universe because I, I don't think it ever made it to Canada. Um, it was in a, a U.S. only service that yeah. I was um, a really, really big fan of. When they first yeah. announced it at uh, Comic Con a couple of years ago, 
I signed up that day because they were doing oh, like a, that. if you, if you pay for a year now, even mm-hmm. though it won't be out for months, if you pay for a year now, you'll, we'll give you 15 months. So you basically got three free months for signing up for a year. And I gotcha. was like, you know what? This is a service I want to support. Mm-hmm. I jumped in day one because it was a service that was movies, TV shows, and the comic books. And like, yeah. you know, DC Universe was a place where I could go and read my Aquaman comics, which, you know, <laughs> I love. Yes. And so, you know, it, it got off to a bit of a rocky start. Mm-hmm. I was not the biggest fan of the first season of Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit like, oh my God, what did I just spend my money on? Wait, didn't Titans come also come out on Netflix or am I making that up? So because DC Universe was only in the States, Titans was released in other countries as on Netflix. So because oh, okay. the, the international rights to the show were sold to Netflix, um, which is what happens with a lot of those... For sure. um, streaming service shows Mm -hmm. uh so yeah in canada it was on netflix but in the states it was only on dc um yeah because i actually watched the first episode of titans Mm -hmm. the first episode or maybe even two and Mm -hmm. i wasn't a huge fan it was a difficult show in that it was it 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 just it set a tone Mm -hmm. really early on yeah that was it had an odd balance to it. The, yeah. the show, in my opinion, struggled between trying to be about these teenage characters and give them teenage problems Yeah, in a world where it was very much an adult show. Yeah, it definitely felt like it didn't quite know where it sat. Yeah, and so because it was, it was about teenagers for adults, because it was so, so violently 18 plus, Yeah, I, I felt like it... it worked for a specific group of people who really really love that show Mm -hmm. and i've seen every episode of that show and there's a lot about it that i love Mm -hmm. and there's a lot about it that i thought was weird and (laughs) and, and like universe breaking for that show and and so it 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 threaded a needle sort of weirdly for me Mm -hmm. but dc universe post titans really picked up Mm because doom patrol is one of the coolest shows ever made it's weird and wacky and and like it's weird it's it's so weird <laughs> you know if you if if you kind of want to understand what dc or uh, what doom patrol is there is a character named danny the street who is a sentient block of um stores <laughs> who can teleport what mm-hmm. and there is a cabaret um in the middle of the street and as long as people are performing in the cabaret, Danny the Street is happy and healthy. And if the cabaret stops, Danny dies. What the fuck? Yeah. It's like some weird Tinkerbell shit. Yes. And it's excellent. It, really? Yeah, because I, I this is I'm, not to go too much into Doom Patrol, which is the, se- the season two is on HBO Max instead mm-hmm. of DC Universe. This is kind of where all this is happening, right? Like, yeah, th- um, they made the show for DC Universe and then HBO Max comes out. Yep. And um, now the season two of that was on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And it was announced this week that all DC Universe shows are going to be on HBO Max from now on. Yeah. Which really is the death null for the service it's yeah nail in the coffin it's Um, uh, not sticking around but just before we move off of doom patrol i just want to quickly say that danny the street is a very queer character Mm -hmm. and the use of his their i guess their character to explore um 
the uh the invisible man uh matt bomer's character's um homosexuality and his coming to terms with his homosexuality mm-hmm. uh in that show is phenomenal and hmm. like as far as like queer superhero storytelling goes that whole arc is beautiful and like really 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 wonderful interesting and everything about doom patrol is wonderful in my opinion i i, I love that show a lot but I was especially um, impressed with the handling of that queer story. Yeah. And um, I, ju- I loved it. I-, I just, I thought it was beautiful and like, you yeah. know. And we need more of that. So I think that that's like an yeah. important. Yeah, that's that's really, I, I think that's good of them. Yeah. And, um, but it, it, it is interesting to see what's going to happen moving forward. Because DC Universe will probably shut down, I'm assuming by the end of the year, probably. Yeah. And HBO Max, as far as I'm aware right now, doesn't have comic access. There's no portal right. on it to read comic books. and So you're thinking it's not going to have that feature, like that's just going to be lost. Well, they haven't announced it yet, and it's been live for months now. Yeah. So it, it just is one of those things where like if you put comic books on HBO Max, mm-hmm. I would sign up immediately (laughs) if i could obviously we're in canada and so we actually can't have hbo max at the moment right 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 which Um, yeah yeah that's just rights and uh, legal stuff but yeah i i do think that you know when dc universe was announced the excitement about having all of dc in one spot comics movies tv shows the old animated serials were all on there all the like animated mini did you just say animated serials or did i just hallucinate yeah like serials like um like uh, they they used to call like old like program serials <laughs> like serial <Okay>. storytelling <laughs> i was like what's happened to the lucky charms <laughs> like <laughs> i was very confused no 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 it's captain crunch <laughs> he has his own yeah you didn't know that there's a avengers universe within dc that's just uh cereals just cereal i did not i um i'm glad i know this now because we need to watch this <laughs> no it's like cereals are like um short animated okay like... i did not know that and i i i, I was very confused <laughs> Yeah, it, it comes it it's comes from like old television storytelling. Um mm-hmm. like the the first Superman television show were these like um like serials that you would watch on like Saturday morning. Right. Um way way back in the day before the Richard Donner films. Yeah. Um and they're excellent. Star Wars is based on like old sci-fi serials like that it's just kind of a Yeah, yeah, totally. Sort of an outdated now thing, but um Mm-hmm. DC universe had the old ones you know what I mean and so that totally. was it, it was such a jo- it, it was really a joyful platform it really mixed the best of like Disney Plus's Marvel section mm-hmm. and Marvel Unlimited um, but those are two separate services and putting them into one thing for six bucks a month it was cheap it was not one you know it wasn't like HBO Max which I think is like 14 oh yeah um it just it, it yeah this i just wanted to talk about it from a few minutes at the beginning of the podcast as a love letter to a service that brought me a lot of joy yeah and brought me some really 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 wonderful dc television shows For that sure. harley quinn animated show loved it was so good like and like i cannot wait to somehow get a hold of season two you it might know? be on netflix on netflix in canada because it's on DC Universe in the States, it might be on Netflix here. 
Hmm. I wonder. I, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we still have to watch Avatar and then Legend of Korra. It's on the list. But it's we should watch list. season two because we loved season one. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot wait to do a Poison Ivy cosplay. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to do Harley Quinn. Yeah. Well, we'll get you the wig and everything. So, yeah, I think DC Universe made some really cool shit. And and, Teen, and Titans season two was definitely a step up from season one. Um, it definitely yeah. had a lot more focus. So, you know, there there is a lot of good swamp thing was very good and interesting it just kind of they the the stuff that happened at the end of that was very unfortunate but mm-hmm. um with the budgetary constraints and losing their final episode and whatnot but yeah um yeah it's it's just sad to see the, all the news this week especially going into fandom because this upcoming saturday is going to be dc's fandom yeah the at home comic-con mm-hmm. which we're excited about yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like, I mean, I've only I I have been to Fan Expo once, mm-hmm. and that's the Calgary about, one. No, Toronto? no, that was Toronto actually. Um, and like that's really my like extent of going to cons, just because I, um, I haven't had the means or the time yeah. often. Um, but I, you know, I'm really excited for this because it's gonna be accessible mm-hmm. um to everybody um it kind of falls on skyrim saturday but that's okay we'll just take a break in the middle <laughs> well and i i think that that accessibility is interesting right because yeah you know one of the things i have always loved about comic-con is being in a panel and this is before they taped them and put them online because it used to like if you were in the room you're in the room and if you weren't you're not you know yeah totally and you know, one of my favorite memories from Khan is going to the Avengers panel in 2011 at New York Comic Con. I would assume it was, yeah, because the movie came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, part part of it was special because I'd been an extra on it. And so I was sitting yeah. in the panel like, you know, I was a, I was a part of this, you know. Totally. E- e- the smallest, most insignificant part. But <laughs> when you're 19, oh, you're like... Oh, it's the coolest yeah, yeah, yeah. shit. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like... I, um, I get that people are like i'm watching the boys i'm like well i mean you can kind of see my face like <laughs> oh and those those three days on that set paid my rent that month and Fuck i was yeah. like so like you know i was like i'm an actor yeah i'm doing it i'm doing the thing but the accessibility of like we can everyone's gonna get to see the stuff now mm-hmm. you know the trailers that they play at this comic-con Unlike past trailers, everyone will see. You know, it used to be yep. you had to be there to see the trailer. There were times where I would be at Comic-Con but couldn't get into the panel. And so everyone's talking about this trailer that 5,000 people have seen. Mm-hmm. I was at Comic-Con and I didn't get to see it. Yeah. That won't be a problem this time. And I wonder if the because there will be a mass audience watching, will there be more hype about things because of it? And Maybe. will this become the way we do panels in the future? I mean, I think, like, I don't know. There, there, There's a lot there. I have a feeling that maybe, um, though, like, that a lot of the, like, rumors and speculations will be lessened because everyone has access to the information mm-hmm. that's there, it would be my guess. Um, but... I don't know. I I wonder if in a way, I um, I wonder if it's going to feel as special to people because you know there's something, I like there is something about being in a room with a bunch of people mm-hmm. and kind of being let in on a little secret, 
And like, that's exciting, especially when it's something you care about so much. On the other side of that is, you know, I think it kind of sucks that it's not accessible to everybody who I, who, who would love that information. So like, this is going to be, it's, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not this like is a hit and it takes off and this is kind of where we see more of this thing in the future or if people are not going to like it because it doesn't feel as like special or exclusive. I, I wonder though, I hear what you're saying. I just wonder if the company trying to get hype for its movie product doesn't necessarily care as much about the excitement of 2,500 people. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they care as much as they're going to care about how high they can trend on Twitter or... Yeah, and for sure. There, there's an element of it that is like, because just just moving forward and realistically the future of, you know... I, I would love to say that there's going to be Comic-Con next year. But we don't know. But we... Well, first of all, we don't know. But even if there is a vaccine, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that there's going to be like mass gatherings with a lot of people at them you know the the world is still you know just just assuming the vaccine comes out in january right Mm -hmm. the amount of time it's going to take to get that vaccine to everyone is going to be months it's not going to be available in supermarkets the day after it comes out that's just you know that's not how it's going to work there will probably be a lottery system um you know the the there are very smart people working on trying to figure out how we're going to functionally give this to 325 million Americans, yeah. let alone, you know, the rest of 40 the world. million like, Canadians and, yeah, yeah, the billion and a half people in China. So Comic-Con does not make money on the people who live in San Diego. And New York Comic-Con does not make money on the people who live in New York. Yes. And so when we're looking at these mass gatherings next year, we could legitimately be looking at a year and a half of virtual cons. Yeah. Before people are willing to fly and gather in groups of a hundred and I think the last New York Comic Con was a hundred and sixty five thousand people. Yeah, I'm sure. From around the world. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had an incredible conversation on the floor with this uh, comic book writer or a, a comic book artist, um, an indie comic book artist who is charging his phone just sitting on the cement floor next to me, <laughs> who was from India. And yeah. we were just having this incredible conversation because both of our phones were plugged into the same outlet. Yeah. And it's moments like that that make cons so special to me. For sure. And... I just wonder how long it's going to be until people feel comfortable doing that international travel to mass gather. Yeah. And I I don't think that that kind of comfort comes with a vaccine. I think that comes with a vaccine plus time. And plus good leadership and plus, you know, like there's so many factors that go into that that honestly right now it's impossible to know. Like truly like we there are just too many unknowns so with that having been said like we might on here's the thing i i posited that we might stick with this kind of convention for from now on because it'll get more people in yeah but at the same time that first con back after all this oh wow where where there are people in the room and where that electricity is just like humming yeah you know that first star wars celebration when everyone (laughs) lifts their lightsabers above their head for the first time jeez I mean, it was a cool moment before all this, but when yeah. when we can do that again... When we can, like, gather in large groups again. 
it might be that moment will be so electric for everyone there that it might save the con industry. Yeah. And the reporters reporting it are going to report like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm even just like, I'm, I'm getting that like, um, like my skin is prickling just like thinking about it. Oh, 100%, it, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just that uh, I'm, I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. And so like this, you know, quarantine is kind of like a, a kind of hell for me. And <laughs> I just like, I, had such an incredible experience my first time at fan expo and you know that was toronto and it i didn't even get to go into to, to any of the special extra things or what have mm-hmm. you and um you know but before covid hit i i was like i want to make this a thing i want to go i i loved being there i loved being a mm-hmm. part of this and i i know it might take longer than usual but i would love for that to come back because being being a part of that i think um is unique yeah i definitely think the cons will come back yeah they're they're huge money makers and for you know especially for like um artists yeah um selling their work at con is like their big thing totally i I think it's the difference in my mind of like what is going to happen to cons versus what is going to happen to panels yeah because I think the panels will still happen at Comic-Con, but I think what's going to happen in all of this virtual con stuff that's happening right now is going to be the next step in what's already been happening, Yeah. where we're going to see every panel be available online. There's yeah. never going to be another panel that you can't watch digitally. For sure. And I don't know that that's a problem. I don't know that that would stop me from wanting to be in the room because yeah. being in the room is... It's a is... different experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, totally. there's panels that I've walked into because I haven't sat down and I've been walking on concrete for nine hours. And yeah. anyone who's been to a Comic-Con knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. And they've ended up being amazing panels. Like, you know, I, I went to one that was about brand management from the guys who make those Domo um, figures and t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I just need to sit for an hour. I might learn something. Yeah. Ended up being 90 minutes of hilarious education. Yeah. And, you know, it's stuff like that that, like, I'm never going to want to lose that experience. Mm-hmm. But for the people who can't afford to go to cons or can't afford to travel internationally and stuff. Yeah. I think that we're going to stop seeing the Comic-Con exclusive trailer and the Comic-Con exclusive, you know, sure. thing. And those panels will be public. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, what I think is exciting um, because I I know that there's lots of people out there who are... I'm sure so excited at that prospect because they mm-hmm. have not had the chance to, you know, um, to be in the room for those. But like I said, I think, you know, being in the room will still be a special thing. I th- yeah, I think I think fandom's going to be like an emotional day for people. Mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be a, you know, I'm, I plan on watching, I'm, I'm going to park on the couch and I'm watching <laughs> that all day and that's my day. Yeah. I'm going to be live tweeting about it all day on the Nerdy Nightly. So follow us over on the Twitter. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I, I just, I, I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be weird. I think there's there's some there's some people who maybe, um, like, why is, why are they there? We've talked about that before on the podcast. Yeah. But, yeah. um, Before we go to our break, before we talk about the new movie, Project Power, I did want to bring up really quickly that uh, Seth Rogen made some comments almost a week ago. So that we're, we're coming a little late to it, but that's <laughs> the recording schedule. About... Um, how Marvel movies are making it hard for comedies because they're such big budget comedies that when people go to the movie theater to watch a comedy now, that's the expectation. 
Right. How do you that, feel about that? That budget and yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, not gonna lie, Guardians of the Galaxy comedy, like. <laughs> I would argue almost every Marvel movie is a comedy. It's it, well, especially lately. Ant Man comedy. Yep, for um, sure. Endgame I, comedy. Really? Okay. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think it. I would say it's definitely more of an action movie. Like, there's more action than there is humor in it. I. I but I think that like. There, it's an action comedy, but every single moment that can be funny is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just when I think of Endgame, I don't think of the humor. I think of the, like, epic, huge fight scenes. True. I so, I just think that, like, those fight scenes are cutting from, okay, punch to the face, and then funny quip, and then punch to the face, and then funny quip. For sure, thing. for sure. And I'm not saying that the humor is not in there, yeah, yeah. but when I... Th- I definitely think about Endgame a lot differently than I think about Ant-Man or oh, Guardians. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? I think the of those. Are yeah, I think of those and I'm like comedy immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately. No question. For Endgame, it's not so like solid in my mind because mm-hmm. for me when I think of it, I definitely think of the action first. But definitely yeah. a lot of the recent movies that are coming out are f- funny. Like, well, you know, Thor like, Ragnarok <laughs> is one of the funniest movies of the past decade. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> I, I understand where Seth Rogen's coming from with his comments where he's like, look, like... Hang on. Deadpool's Marvel, Deadpool right? is... Well, yeah, but it was made by Fox. Yeah, I'm just saying that, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, Deadpool? Comedy. Definitely a comedy. I, I think that the problem for... And I understand where Seth Rogen's coming from. I also think it's... I'll get into why it's weird that he made these comments in a minute, but... Um, the the problem for comedies competing with Marvel movies is that the action element of the Marvel movie gives those movies stakes. Yeah. And I think what's really hard for comedies that aren't superhero comedies... The stakes are not. Well, it's hard to set stakes. And, yeah. And, like, making stakes... Like, you know, you either have to make fun of the fact that there are no stakes... Yep. Or you have to make the stakes matter to the character... Like, Anchorman does a really good job of making the stakes matter so much to Ron Burgundy, mm-hmm. even though they don't matter at all to the audience. Like, yeah, it's, you know, and, and so the Marvel movies have this cheat where they get to be as funny as they want and they get to be these big comedies, mm-hmm. but there is a, the world is going to end stakes attached to the comedy. Totally. And I understand that what Seth Rogen is saying about like, it's really hard to compete with that right now. Mm-hmm. When Disney is putting out a huge blockbuster movie every two weeks that costs 200 million dollars because legitimately if you look at the release schedule for the year disney has a movie disney has so many movies coming out in theaters <laughs> that their biggest competition is marketing is themselves yeah the biggest question in disney's budget every year is how do we market all of these movies without compete without like and they failed i think the good dinosaur the disney pixar movie mm-hmm. is not a bad movie it's an example of Disney literally cannot push all of its movies anymore because they're yeah. making too many. Mm-hmm. And if that's going to be the market, how does anyone else jump in? Well, and Disney also like makes <coughs> um, makes throwaway movies just to like take up space. You know what I mean? Or I don't know that. Or I they make movies that... that they like try to bury, and it's very strange. I don't think that they. Are, I don't think they make them that way. I think they make the movies, watch them, and then they go, 
Ooh, yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that the intention is always... No one spends $125 million on Artemis Fowl with the intention of burying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, 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 that's not me digging at Artemis Fowl. I'm saying, it, like... Which is a bad movie. It's a bad movie, but, like, <laughs> no one went into it to make a bad movie. For sure. And they, that, that's not what I mean. If um, that movie had been excellent, Disney mm-hmm. would have charge $30 for it opening day they are with the Mulan. Totally. But they knew that it wasn't that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that happens after it's made. And, you know, when it gets to the point where they're like, there's nothing we can do. It is what it is. Yep. We're no, going to release it. Cause, totally. Yeah. It's just like there are certain things that, like, get buried even though people say that, you know, they're really good. Like, the, the one that kind of stands out to me was, I think, Coco? Coco made money, though. Yeah, but nobody talked about it. Really? Nobody. T- I I saw maybe one commercial for it once, and mm-hmm. then it came out, and I never heard another thing about it. That's so interesting because I, I I follow a lot of like movie like Dan Merle is a big like movie numbers guy, and I, he talked about it for weeks. Yeah. So for me, it was like this thing that kept coming up because um it was such a huge hit in China. Mm-hmm. Co- Coco was like a massive hit in China. Yeah. And Whereas like, you know, my social medias are mainly Canadians. Mm-hmm. D- didn't hear a thing about it. Is, is I and, and, you know, I haven't lived in Canada in 10 years, so I, mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily have the best answer to this question. But it, do you think that's because there aren't as many Latinx people in Canada? Like the Hispanic population here and like the Latinx population isn't as high as like in New York where, you know, I live, mm-hmm. used to live. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to start getting you <laughs> saying that um, as we move to Toronto. But, you know, that I'm surrounded by and work with, you know, so many Latinx people. That totally. That movie made a huge impact in my community. Yeah. And honestly, I don't have the answer to that yeah. either because there's definitely less of a population um in canada it's cold here why would you live here honestly why (laughs) Mm, healthcare um (laughs) but um i just mean that like uh i i I, the only reason i push back against that is because coco made so much money yeah which i'm i was shocked to find out because i was like i I felt like nobody went to go see it nobody that i knew anyway yeah when i think of like big like buried movies i think of like bfg the Steven Spielberg film, <laughs> yeah, which is like this, you know, Roald Dahl project that Roald, that Roald Dahl book to me was one of my favorites as a kid. For sure, I did. I still have not seen that movie, and like, yeah. it's wild. I don't, something else came out that weekend, and it just got buried, and it cost them like two hundred million dollars. Jesus, and they couldn't market it because it was in competition with you know. I think maybe it was Solo or something like that. There was some other movie that came out the week before that was also their movie. Yeah. And they just, it just got lost. Yeah. Sorry, we kind of got sidetracked. But I think it's all the same thing. Like, I think, you know, it's all this discussion of like, it's it's not even how do you compete with Marvel right now, Mm -hmm. which I think Seth Rogen is right about. How do you? They're making consistent quality films that people love. Yeah. Um. They've set the bar for what modern filmmaking is, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But how do you compete with Disney? And I think Seth Rogen has done a good job of competing with Disney by making really excellent television programs. Mm -hmm. And his movie Good Boys last year made money. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I don't know how American Pickle's doing, but it seems to have been somewhat well-reviewed. And we haven't seen it yet, but I loved the first 20 minutes that I saw. Mm -hmm. But, you know... 
it's interesting that Seth Rogen is complaining about superhero comedies to me because he is an executive producer on The Boys. Season two comes out in three weeks. and Which is a dark comedy. But it is a superhero comedy. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to me that he's like, you can't compete with these Marvel superhero comedies. So what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess it is a bit of a, if you can't beat him, join him. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of what he's done, but... That's fair. I, I can't believe you haven't seen The Boys yet. We need to get on I know. I, I know. I know. I literally watched like the one scene that I was in. And yeah, then yeah. I was like, and then I was like, oh, I should watch the show. And I just have not. But speaking of dark comedic superhero properties, mm-hmm. we watch Project Power and we're going to talk about it after these messages. <laughs> and we're back. So, yeah, we watched a new movie which is one of superhero movie yeah which is kind of like a a novelty right now well superhero movie it's not really uh no no like superpower movie yeah because when you you were like we're gonna watch this new movie it's like a superhero movie and i was like okay and then we like sat down and i was like wait what (laughs) i i had because you you had no idea what this was no no i purposefully did not research it i was like i'm gonna sit down and watch a brand new thing that i don't know anything about i all i knew about it was jamie fox joseph gordon levitt mm-hmm. and um there are pills that give you superpowers for five minutes and that was the extent like i didn't know tone and um th- what i was most surprised about was the tone yeah um because it's a weird movie yeah it's um definitely different but here's the thing you know i think it the 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 thing that i like the most about the movie is it was like this is what we're doing and we're going for it you know what i mean it Mm -hmm. knew exactly Mm -hmm. what it was and it wasn't trying to like be something that it wasn't i don't know it was just like i was like oh i get it you know what i mean it was very clear yeah and i think that what really worked for me about it was once I kind of the the, the moment where it almost lost me mm-hmm. was when the whole kidnapping Dominique Fishback's character, who was Dominique Fishback, is great in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought she did a really wonderful job, and yeah. um, her and Jamie Fox are Joseph Gordon Levitt's there, and he does his job. Um, he kind of disappears in the middle of the movie for a bit. Yep. Um, but Dominique Fishback and Jamie Fox really like have a great dynamic their chemistry is really solid and i I enjoyed them Mm -hmm. after i got over the fact that he like violently kidnapped her and then she was like no i'm gonna stick around and we're gonna work together and i was like yeah all right (laughs) yeah i mean mm, yes (laughs) yeah it, it was unforgiving in that and in a way i appreciated that it was unforgiving in that like jamie fox is the good guy in that he's you know the marine a former you know veteran trying to save his daughter yeah but he's also very willing to do anything to save his daughter yeah including and, like threaten and possibly kill this girl like and, and her mother yeah um her sick mother like yeah the there's a lot of movies that are like i'm willing to do anything to save this person yeah and then they never actually challenge their lead character on what that is yeah they they have their character say that they're willing to do that but then they never have to do that they never have to push their moral boundary they just are like willing to yeah whereas this movie 
truly gave me the impression that Jamie Foxx would do anything for his daughter. And yeah, it felt dangerous. Once, once that reveal, ha- the daughter reveal happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil too much because that I don't feel like that's a spoiler to say that. But yeah, um, the the rest of the movie clicked in for me because I understood that I was like, oh, we're watching a guy who is been pushed to the brink in a way that you know a lot of movies shy away from yeah they 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 play around the edges of that idea but this movie jumped into the middle of it and mm-hmm. ultimately was really why it worked for me mm-hmm. yeah um i i i i would agree with that and i think that they actually handled her decision to like help him pretty well like you know mm-hmm. like there was a series of events that like like i didn't think it was unbelievable that she would stick around you know, she seemed like a compassionate person and was, and she had lost her own father. Yeah. And was like, you know, like this, this was personal for her as well, in a sense. Totally. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, like I didn't, I didn't really have that, like, mm, would she have actually helped this guy out? I, I fully believed it. Yeah. The, yeah, it was just violent. It, it was. <laughs> it was a violent movie. Yeah, it was. And, um, Honestly, I love that it, like, didn't shy away from any of the danger in it. And, um, like, yeah, um, I yeah. lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't call Joseph Lord Gordon-Levitt a good guy, too, which I appreciated. No, yeah, he's... Like, they, there's a moment where, you know, he's getting called out for, he's fighting against someone who's doing the exact same thing that he's doing and he's called out like you're not a good person here and he's like he is like that is a very valid point like he's like yes i'm joseph gordon levitt and jamie fox are both on that track of like i am doing the wrong thing for the right reason and i'm not going to try and justify that to you because it's personal yeah and like joseph gordon levitt's love of new orleans Mm -hmm. which is New Orleans people are like that. New Orleans people love New Orleans people. Like that is yeah. that is. Yeah, I have some family there. Mm-hmm. That is true. I th- and this movie felt very New Orleans to me, which I appreciated. Yeah. Um, it yeah it it had its own distinct vibe and mm-hmm. like one thing that I really appreciated is that um, the casting was very diverse without yeah. feeling like they needed to fill some kind of like quota you know what i mean yeah. like it didn't it never felt like that at all it felt very real and true and gritty and that like that was something that i really appreciated i, I will say casey neistat in this film i know it didn't bug you at all because you don't know who he is yeah but he's a youtuber yeah and when he showed up i you lost it lost it i couldn't and and the the following scene is my favorite scene in the movie with the tank. The way that yeah, the, the fight that sequence, was shot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the way that that happened, especially because I I have a feeling this movie's budget was under a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. I think I I think I read somewhere like around eighty five. Yeah. And for eighty five million dollars, the the uh, CGI looks pretty great. Yeah. Um, the the powers. Well, I think we should, we'll, we'll get into the powers in a sec, but. The the fight sequences were shot creatively. Yes. And the tank was the most creative of them. Oh, it was so cool. It was very cool. And I loved it. I, I, I think that like that scene reminded me of the scene from Atomic Blonde. Not for the same kind of kinetic fighting, but for the fact that it like it, it it's a it's an action sequence in a movie that 
in my opinion, is so far above the rest of the movie that it yeah. stands out in that way. Because mm-hmm. um, that scene ended and I was just like, wow, that was that was cool. Like, yeah. yeah and I, you just had that like feeling in your chest where you're like, oh, I just witnessed something that was like, they had that idea. Yeah. And then they executed it perfectly. Yep. And it, it really, it, it was thrilling. Like yeah. it was a thrilling fight sequence. Yeah, for sure. I, I was, um, I, I love that part actually. I, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think um, the, the movie definitely didn't have the budget to have powers all the time. Yep. Which was good because that's how the pills work. You don't get your powers all the time. Yeah. How did you feel about the way the powers were portrayed? Uh, what do you mean? Well, like the, the movie sort of is a satire of famous superheroes. Yeah. Like nude at the beginning is the Human Torch. But if the Human Torch were real, how horrifying it would be to be the Human Torch. Right. Um, the Hulk. The Hulk. Uh, there's um, the uh, martial artist on the ship. Oh, with yeah. the spikes coming out of his bones yeah. is a very clear ripoff of uh, X-Men character named... Um, I should have looked it up. I can't remember his name. Um, so, yeah. like, the, a lot of the powers are very clearly powers that we've seen before, but they're the dark side of them. Yeah. Um, so, I, I guess it's more just like, you know, the movie wasn't a satire in any way, and yet it felt like it was... A, a commentary on the superhero movies that have been coming yeah, out. Yeah, well, it was like, oh, God, that would be awful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, you know, because one of the pe- questions, like, you know, people ask, like, oh, if you could have any superpower, like, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of times you don't really factor in the, like, awful mm-hmm. effects of those powers. You know what I mean? Like, um, and well, yeah, this- it's like, I want flight. And you're like, okay. But if you have a, if you have the ability to fly, mm-hmm. you also have to have the ability to resist cold, the ability to breathe at high altitudes. Altitudes, yeah. like the number of other abilities that you need for that to be an yeah. even somewhat enjoyable experience. Yeah, like oh, I'd love to like control fire, and mm-hmm. it's like well, this guy. <laughs> he was like disfigured mm-hmm. and like and clearly in pain, in pain. Yeah. like i was like oh god that would be horrible mm-hmm. and that, that's the thing about like these pills is you don't know how this power is going to manifest within you Except you might just die unless you've done it once before well yeah it manifests the same way every yeah, time yeah. which i thought was an interesting uh, because the the pills so the pills give you the same power every time you take them for and you have it for five minutes yeah which implies to me that the the pills are connecting because they kept being like, well, we get these powers from animals, which made me think that the animal power is in the pill. But if a person gets the same power every time, is it something to do with their DNA? No, yeah, it would have to be linked to their DNA and then how that pill would manifest their like, uh, I guess, like fight or flight response in a way. Like, mm-hmm. like it would just like it, it would you it, I feel like it would um, pull from your DNA and rewrite like some kind of defense mechanism or mm-hmm. like instinctual thing. Um, but some people just die when they take it. They just blow up. Yeah. Like, like you just, yeah. And you, some of the powers are awful. Um, yeah. Cause there's, you know, there's the obvious, um, um, the ice power, the, which is, you know, ice man. There's so many, uh, you know, there's the lady with the ice yeah um who is just slowly freezing to death yeah and it's like oh wow your power just kills you and does 
nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. Because <laughs> the, the explosion was bad, but it was immediate. Yeah. But the ice one, the like slow death. Yeah. And her fingers started crumbling. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, mm-hmm. my God. Mm-hmm. Well, and in a way, um, in a way, it kind of felt like Heroes. Because I think Heroes um, started to, to, to touch on that kind of concept where, like, these powers are also bad Mm -hmm. like you know like or or painful or terrifying you know what i mean it definitely was like heroes through an instagram filter yeah (laughs) yeah like like dark moody instagram filter (laughs) but with way more neon in the background totally the introduce the introduction the introduction of dominique fishback's character with the like she's in like a old circus but there's like 85 million different colored bright neon lights everywhere i was like what is what like i i I get that like lighting design you want to do like something cool and you want to make it like edgy and whatnot yeah but there were a couple of points in this movie where i was like you 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 could have made this look a little bit more like a real place instead of like oh my god this was my lighting design project from college that i was like wouldn't it be cool if yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for me, the movie looked better in the sequences where the lighting looked a little bit more realistic. Totally. Because uh, the, the, when Major Art, I think, which is Jamie Foxx's character, pulls up to the condominium at the, the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. I was like, the, the, the shot zooming in on him mm-hmm. that featured all the graffiti on the building behind him. I was yeah. like, wow, that shot was so cool. Yeah. Because I was like, that building looks like a place to me. Totally. And then when he goes into that apartment, and it's like the like flickering red lights and stuff. Yeah. It became like movie lighting in a way that Yeah, it's like it's like when when you do like a like a model photo shoot with like gels. Yeah. And you make yeah, yeah. it like like blue and red or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? It, the the lighting was some I think it's for me, it's when the lighting feels too deliberate. Yeah. Um, that I get a little bit like, I, I, yeah, it looks very cool, mm-hmm. but it's not a real place. Yeah. Um, whereas like, you know, there was stuff like the shots in the grocery store sequence and where the lighting was just that like kind of fluorescent gross lighting. Yeah. And it made the fight there seem more realistic and graphic. Um, as well when, uh, Jamie Foxx, um, like first... Um, like kidnaps her and takes her to like the bridge like it's like yeah. dark and mm-hmm. um but it's like street lighting kind of it's it's dim it felt like very real that whole scene was excellent amazing jamie fox and dominic fishback that scene and the scene at the vet because the, they don't get a lot of quieter moments in this movie yeah but those two are both <laughs> it's quiet as they're shouting at each other but quieter yeah. i mean <laughs> in the sense of like blocking and what's going on around them totally those two sequences really they both shined and i i really like dominique fishback she's like she crushed it yeah all of her rapping which was <laughs> unexpected but like good yeah and like uh, i appreciated there's a version of this movie where dominique fishback like goes into the business of hunting soup creators you know what i mean like mm-hmm. where she like becomes like his apprentice yeah and all this and instead having the movie end with her being like i'm gonna i I was a part of this thing and i'm gonna go pursue my dreams Mm -hmm. and like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go live my life beyond this and and overcome my past yeah i actually um you know and that's kind of a spoiler but not really i mean it is you know (laughs) yeah but um (laughs) that doesn't matter at all to the plot of the movie but 
Um, I appreciated that the direction this movie went was a little bit more nuanced than I expected. Yep. Because the, the beginning of the movie is a little cookie cutter. I think um, the mm-hmm. beginning, like the first, the introduction of everyone, you know, you have the, the, the tough cop who's willing to do anything to save the city. You have the young... Um, Girl who doesn't do well in school. Like. Yeah, and particularly like the, 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 you know, person of color in high school who isn't doing well and has a sick mom so they go into drug dealing yeah. like there's there, there are some stereotypes in these characters right at the beginning yeah and i feel like the movie does a good job of moving beyond them pretty sure. quickly in the yep. second act mm-hmm. um and so it kind of starts off with characters you've seen before and then goes in a different way with them yeah Joseph Gordon-Levitt's towel scene is like a <laughs> was it was a really great moment for that character to break out of that stereotype a little bit and behave differently. Yeah, in a way that I appreciate. It wasn't, you know, it, it gave the character a moment to be intellectually superior to the scene mm-hmm. as opposed to being aggressive and violent to overcome the moment. Yeah, um, and so stuff like that I really appreciated about the film. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the towel scene, as, like, funny as it was, like, I was like, oh, this is brilliant, mm-hmm. was also the most unbelievable to me. A hundred percent. Because I was like, those guys would have just killed you both. Like, tr- like, tr- like, they would be dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's this, <laughs> this operation clearly goes high enough up that they would kill them or kidnap them and take them away. And, like, it Does w- it wouldn't matter. Here's the thing about the operation. I was very confused by that part of the movie. Well, they definitely had like influence in politics and policing because But was it a but so is the government completely unaware? Like the the movie didn't do because no. it made it seem like they were the government, but mm, they're not. No, no, they're not the government. They are they are a company who has come into New uh, New, Orleans. New Orleans. Um and is testing this drug on the population. Totally. And I, is paying off or like blackmailing the local authorities. Right. So is the FBI unaware of this? Because here's the thing. The idea that there's a the idea that a company could do this and like take over a police investigation, which they mm-hmm. do early on with the like camouflage scene. Yeah. And the FBI doesn't know about it is wild to me. So it made me think that the implication was this company was so large that the that they were like, oh no no, they control the FBI. Like, well, there was they're a- they're in like the Department of Homeland Security, like controlling shit. But then also like the movie kind of implied that the entire company was on that boat. Well, yeah, <laughs> and honestly, I think that that was the scale of the company. Uh, there was a line there, like they talked about if, uh, one at least once or twice that you know. They pop into a city and they leave right away. That it's like a dirty, quick, in and out type deal. Totally. So I just wonder, like, you know, I, I yeah. like, you know, in a, in the case of like maybe FBI, I'm sure that it was something that was like aware of, but they they move on so fast that in this instance that like they weren't able to to get enough evidence or infiltrate mm-hmm. or you know, because like that's the thing with. Uh, you know, government processes is they take time because they're thorough, which is is good, but also you know yeah. can be a hindrance. Yeah, I just I I wonder if long term, you know, the the company's goal, mm-hmm. like long term, I was just kind of like, if you go any more public than you currently are, you're definitely going to get caught and shut down. 
Yeah. Like I was, they were like, we're going to, we're going to grow. And I'm like, no, if you grow any bigger, you're, yeah. you kind of have to stay at the size that you're at. Yeah. It definitely kind of made it seem like they were just like, we're going to make these things, sell them real quick, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. But if, if, but if that was the case, because the, the movie, you know, they go into the whole part of the movie where they're like, we're going to make you a superhero forever. Like you're not going to need the pill anymore. Yeah. And I was like, okay. But at that point. You definitely get shut down, like, like, and you stop it, making money because you don't need to. They don't need to buy the pill anymore. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, they didn't seem because they were just kind of a one cargo ship enterprise. They didn't seem to have enough like political pull to me. Mm-hmm. The, the the organization at the end of the movie suddenly got very small. Yeah. Whereas in like the first half of the movie, it felt like oh my god, they're in everything. Yeah. And that kind of disappeared when you were like, no, they're just kind of all on this cargo ship and they're paying off the police captain. And you're like, all yeah. right, cool. Yeah. There can't be a sequel, I guess, because. Well, yeah, they're all. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it just it just it didn't like, you know, usually movies like this try and like keep that part of it more vague so that you can like imagine that there will be seven movies and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and this movie to its credit in a lot of ways actually is a very contained story and i think is it succeeds a lot in being a contained story mm-hmm. um and i appreciate that there wasn't like an a, a post credits push to be like in project power 2 yeah and you're like wow. there's more pills like you know yeah although that i that th- that kind of thing always undervalues what just happened in the movie to me and i loved i loved that this movie knew what it was and did its thing and that was it I think I think it depends on what the tea, how the tease functions. Mm-hmm. Like I think um, that old guard, the Netflix movie we saw with Charlize Theron. Yeah, I I thought the tease at the end of that for the sequel worked really well, because it yeah. was built on, because it came from the character's history, and because it implied a completely different adventure for them to go on. It wasn't like the next step in the adventure they'd been on in that movie. It was like, all right, they went on this mission and finished it. And now there's a brand there's new. There's a brand new adventure thing. to go on. Yeah. And so I think that movies that do that, and, you know, going back to the Marvel stuff from the first half, I think that what Marvel's done really well with its um, post-credits teases has always been up until Spider-Man, where Spy- uh, Far From Home, that Far From Home tease really feels like the end of the movie. And I, it's weird that it's in the credits. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what it is, go watch Far From Home. That movie's great. I'm fantastic. You're um, missing out. <laughs> but the Marvel movies have always teased a different adventure. Or yeah. like, you know, Nick Fury coming in and being like, we're talking about the Avengers Initiative back in Iron Man 1. The, the It never implied like, ugh, the, the, what you just did didn't matter. I don't know. There was one that, and I really don't know what, which one it was. Like, I cannot remember. But there was definitely one that sticks out in my mind. And um, it was basically just like the post credit scene was like, but there's actually another guy who's totally in on it and is continuing this operation. And I, I don't remember what it was. It is was it like the dark one... room? <laughs> in the like... dark room. Uh, is it the one where the guy has the staff and he's making Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? <sighs> Maybe. I don't. I, I there's so... truly here's, don't Here's remember. the thing. There are actually so many Marvel teases now that yeah. I don't actually remember them all yeah and that's the thing like i i wish i could like think of the perfect example like the right i I wish i could think of the example i'm trying Mm -hmm. to explain um but yeah there was that like moment where i was like wait 
well then what the fuck was this movie like you know what i mean it's like oh okay well better luck next time (laughs) i don't remember that yeah i yeah i I uh, remember i definitely think though just to go back to project power before we just talk about marvel movies because i could talk about marvel movies forever yeah that'll be another podcast oh i'm sure it will whenever black widow comes out Ooh. We'll do a 23 hour. We'll do an hour on each Marvel movie. It'll be the longest podcast ever made. And I'll do it entirely in a cosplay. <laughs> but no one can Black see Widow. because it's a I know. It'll audio be medium. F- for me. Uh, for, I, you like, want to sit in a spandex absolutely for 23 hours? Absolutely. Oh my God. <laughs> the smell. We would have what? to throw away the chair. No. Yeah. Yeah. That I know. Would I'm be not that chair. smelly. Yo, I, I use deodorant. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. Um, <laughs> you know what? More movies should have are scenes where characters apply deodorant. Yeah. You know Could what? you imagine how stinky, like, Captain America gets? Oh, God, yeah. You know? <laughs> or that um, the every color hoodie that Dominique Fishback is wearing in this movie. Oh my god. I want that hoodie. Not gonna lie. The, the hoodie's dope, but there were times where she was like trying to be stealthy, and, and I was like, like, girl... You're wearing all the primary colors. You are wearing the brightest... Like, when they're like, we need to break into the place, and I'm like, girl, put on a black shirt. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> why, why are you wearing the loudest piece of clothing <laughs> I've ever seen in my life? Yeah, 100%. Like, the only way you could be more aggressive is if she put on those sunglasses that are LED lights that flash. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, um, I'm excited to see more of Dominique Fishback. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see Jamie Foxx has another superhero property coming up. He's going to be Spawn in the new Spawn movie when it comes out. Cool. Which is very exciting. And um, it was good to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, play his character from Dark Knight Rises again. <laughs> yeah i mean hey he does it well so it, it was just funny to me because i was like oh he's like kind of the exact the same kind of cop i mean different like this is definitely a much more hardline version of it yeah um but it, it did kind of crack me up i'm like is is joseph gordon levitt only gonna play cop characters in superhero movies he's just reprising his role yeah, yeah, yeah. forever <laughs> while shitting on 500 days of summer on twitter <laughs> no i'm i'm excited to see more of the, like honestly i thought the movie was well done i thought mm-hmm. everyone did a great job i'm excited for for what's next for all of them yeah i think what is um standing out to me right now is that i don't think this movie would have done well in theaters i think it would have been like a mid i, th- I think it would have gotten buried unfortunately mm-hmm. um it just doesn't have the like scope it has the star talent actually to pull in a decent audience but i i just i i think that it is the exact kind of movie that does well on Netflix. Yeah. And I understand why it ended up at Netflix. Um, I understand why they produced it. It, it. it feels like it kind of goes hand in hand with Old Guard. Yeah. Um, as far as like style and tone. Totally. And Netflix is managing to put out some really interesting, fun, enjoyable films. I enjoyed watching this movie. Yeah, totally. You know, it's not my favorite thing ever, but... I, it was really good yeah i i, I enjoyed it a lot yeah. i uh hope that they that netflix is making more stuff like that in canada <laughs> right <laughs> well and like you know bright it actually kind of also feels like bright to me which is interesting netflix is making these interesting like sci-fi concept movies yeah i never saw bright i heard it wasn't great i liked it a lot mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. okay 
<laughs> for the things that it did really well. Um, sure. I also just am like, I think that there's like a, a group of people who orcs in modern day work for. And there's a lot of people who orcs in modern day don't work for. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's and the, fair. The, the people who that doesn't work for is much larger than the people who it does. Yeah, I get that. Um, but I actually really, I, I wanted more. I, I wanted a bright sequel because I actually, the world that they built there with like the elves kind of being the upper class, like downtown technology type. Yeah. You know, like, you know, um, you know, it, it, to me, it was like the elves live in Manhattan. <laughs> uh, the humans live in Queens and Brooklyn and the orcs live in Staten Island. Yeah. And that joke only makes sense to people who live in New York. But yeah. I'm um, like, sure. <laughs> uh, Netflix is kind of like trying or here's what i'm here's what i appreciate netflix is making original ideas mm-hmm. that aren't based on anything yeah old guard is actually now yeah that i think about it that's based on a comic book but this movie i'm pretty sure isn't based on anything bright isn't based on anything like there netflix is the is the studio right now that's willing to make content that is original and new and mm-hmm. yeah maybe it's not perfect yeah. but it's also trying and i appreciate that yeah absolutely I'm I'm excited for what's next. I would recommend this movie. Like if you're home this weekend and you want to watch something. Yeah. It's under two hours. It's not it doesn't overstate its welcome. No, it's 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 a good length. Yeah. Um and yeah, if like I mean if you're listening to this, you probably like superpower yeah. <laughs> type stuff. Um but you know, it's it's kinda got that dark gritty feel as well. So mm-hmm. you know, turn it on, see what see what you think. I really enjoyed the pistol shrimp monologue. Oh my god. Jamie Fox Jamie Foxx has some killer lines in this movie yeah and he delivers them so well mm-hmm. i wanted his power to be dan merle said this um uh in his review as well but i wanted his power to be like he turned into electro from spider-man <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um just because you know oh electro i definitely thought he was going to turn into the flash yeah i thought yeah yeah me that's too. what I, that's right i thought his, he was going but his power questionable very confusing but that that's a spoiler so we'll you know we'll leave you to your own i don't devices. know that we could spoil it truly i I'm don't not really know what to, happened but i yeah it was the one that i was like hmm it and it was because it looked so much like the dark phoenix from the end of um the x-men movie last year mm-hmm. that i was like what is did they did they just like have access to the cgi files from <laughs> x-men's dark phoenix they just like and put they them just in to save plunked money. them in they just put them on the green screen that Jamie Foxx was standing on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. I'm glad we were like, what are we going to talk about on the podcast this week? And then I was like, something came out. Yeah. This movie, honestly, I I'm amazed that I remembered that it was coming out because yeah, it I didn't, didn't see anything about it. I it wasn't even prominently featured on Netflix, which surprised me no, when I opened it, it. Like I did like dig into Netflix to find it. Yeah. Yeah. So give it a watch. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Tweet um, at us. <laughs> tweet at us. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. We have um, our Patreon still going we strong. We do. Patreon.com slash nerdy nightly. Mm-hmm. And we're both streaming on Twitch this week. We are. I'm at nerdy nightly. I'm at Clarice Dracaris. Clarice is playing a lot of Subnautica, so go check that out. It Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be starting um a Horizon Zero Dawn. Is that what the game's called? Yes. <laughs> Oh my god, my brain just broke. I'm going to be starting a playthrough of that this week, so it's going to be fun. And, uh, yeah. I'm excited for Fandom. Yeah, it's going to be... Saturday's going to be fun. Yeah, so uh, follow us on the Twitter. I'll be live tweeting all day. Claris will probably be streaming for part of that day. 
oh, I have to stream on Saturday too because there's we're leaving. We're not going to be in town on Sunday, so there'll be no Star Wars Sunday. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Follow us elsewhere to find out what the <laughs> schedule is because we, we don't know. We will figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> My name is David Webb. I'm Arielle Edwards. Do something nerdy tonight. Bye-bye. <laughs>